It's an honor and privilege to be with you this evening. If you have children, they may be dismissed to uh, the back for Children's Church. Pastor mentioned briefly that, yes, I have graduated seminary, and man, this last month was great. <laughs> so uh, Thomas Swope, he's you know, helping with the, the service tonight. Let me tell you, there is such thing as free time. It is coming, and it is, it is wonderful. But no, thank you guys so much, and it's an honor and privilege to be here this evening. Not only because it is Ascension Sunday, 40 days after Jesus resurrected, it appeared to many, walked with them, taught the disciples, and was raised into the clouds and told to wait at 40 days after his resurrection. But not only is it a privilege to be here tonight with you guys, but also communion. To look at what Jesus has done. And my mind is already brought to a text in Hebrews. So if you will, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. I think the book of Hebrews, there's good reasons to think that the letter of Hebrews is really a sermon. Many exhortations throughout the letter. I don't believe it was written by Paul. A lot of evidence show maybe he was some associations with Paul. But it is written to the Hebrews, to the Israelites, to the Jews. Because even in their devout relationship to God, they're missing one critical piece. Jesus the Christ. And so the preacher of Hebrews, time after time again, is showing the superiority of God's work in this world is through Jesus the Christ. We had the prophets, now we have the Son. He is better than the angels, better than Moses, a better covenant, a better sacrifice, a great high priest that we now have. And as I think about what we're about to celebrate here today, as Pastor called a high act of Christian service, what is communion to a believer? Now to answer that question fully takes a lot more time than what we have to cover here tonight. But I want to look at and encourage you with three exhortations that the preacher of Hebrews comes to at the end of chapter, in the middle of chapter 10. Let's look at from verse 22 on. Well, let's start in verse 19. So the he, preacher of Hebrews comes through preaching the greatness of Jesus. Says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus... By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith. So I ask him what communion is to a believer. There's many ways and many texts that we can go to and what this moment is. But in a way, another illustration the preacher of Hebrews likes to use that he gives on to this section is an analogy of a race. Each believer, with this blood of Jesus, the living and true way that he opened through us, we begin with the writer of Hebrews calls a race. I had an uncle that competed in the Ironman triathlons. And the Ironman is the larger one of all the triathlons that you swim 2.4 miles, and you get out of the water and you bike 112 miles, and then you finish it off with a simple marathon. 
you know, with whatever energy that you have left. And last year, 2018, the world record was just broken by German just shy of under eight hours. But the average for the triathlon champion in Kona, Hawaii, is about 12 hours. I don't remember why I couldn't go, but my family flew out to Hawaii to, to watch my uncle compete in this competition. But on the website, you could see and you could hit different checkpoints when you're watching and following their number that you can see when the group starts, and then an hour later, you don't hear anything until, say, number three, 392 hit the first checkpoint. And so as my family was watching there on the scene at certain checkpoints, I was watching from home and following updates. But at these certain checkpoints, they come to where their stuff is at, where their bikes are, where they change their gear, they, they grab the essentials, but that's either their stuff, but even in a race, they have sponsors and tables and things they give away, water or gel packets that you can grab. But when a runner is at this point, they grab the essential items that they need to continue the race, to run forward until the next checkpoint. They won't come another 50-some miles or so. So whatever water or gel packets or salt tablets they need, they come together at this point and they continue the race so they get to the next checkpoint. And if you will, as I'm trying to imagine what the author of Hebrews is trying to come to, if I make an application tonight to communion, a checkpoint to an athlete is like communion to a believer. When my uncle started the race, they spread out and I don't, I don't hear about an update of where he's at until maybe an hour later when they come to this first checkpoint. Same to a believer. As we leave church, come together on Sunday, we go out and we come back in the next week or the next time we come together. We may keep up with one another, but it's come time to look at communion. It's a, a checkpoint, if you will. The author of Hebrews is encouraging this church, these people. Who Jesus is and the sacrifice that he had done. He exhorts them now to draw near. If you have an NIV, they, they add in, they supplement, draw near to God. Because many times in Hebrews, they're making this application. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. And so ESV says, let's draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. If you will, it's one checkpoint to, as we consider what we experienced this week, as we study through First Thessalonians, as we minister to people in the Virginia Beach area, especially after a tragedy this weekend, and we come together to draw near to God with full assurance of who Jesus is and what his sacrifice was. And I think the author of Hebrews draws a, a little vague here, but he's using Old Testament analogy. The curtain was torn in two. The dividing wall that separated priests and God from people has been torn because of this perfect sacrifice. But Jesus made that sacrifice, and he can use with what's done to us, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, with our bodies washed with pure water. 
And we can go back and look at the Levitical rites and the Levitical system that they would do to cleanse themselves before even going to the presence of God. What they would have to do to cleanse themselves, sprinkle a sacrifice on the altar that Jesus had already done, and this is what he has done to us. So now we can approach the throne full of confidence, with bold assurance, because the sacrifice that Jesus has done. As we come together in communion, we draw near to God. But I think the next two exhortations that he has for us are almost very similar to how do we draw near to God. Let us consider tonight and hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Is Jesus better? Ten chapters, the author of Hebrew is trying to get these people to show he is better than anything that's brought up. The prophets spoke about beforehand, we have the Son. The sacrifices that they go through, the once for all sacrifice, and it's done. The angels, that maybe they exalted to some, some level position, a, a higher position they thought of, Jesus is better. Is Jesus better when we go to work and we strive for the things that we feel as God has called us to? And I think the author of Hebrews has that phrase, without wavering. Is this confession that Jesus is better, that he is the one-time sacrifice for us, the hope that we cling on to? I think of the sermon series we went through in Mark as Jesus teaches through the parables, the seed and the sowers. Seeds spring up quickly, but they have no root. Seeds spring up, but they're choked out by threats of this world, by persecutions, by worry. Is there hope that we have in confessing that Jesus Christ is the once and all sacrifice, is the cornerstone of our hope? And as John mentioned earlier, as we come together, and I, I want to focus on this last exhortation. I've rushed these few points, and there's so much here. But I want to consider this last exhortation that the author of Hebrews has. Because when I hold fast the confession of hope, when I come back to this checkpoint of the Christian walk, the truth is, brothers and sisters, I need you. And his exhortation here, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. In a race, oftentimes, I, I've never competed in a marathon. I couldn't imagine competing in the Ironman, let alone just a marathon or swimming that far. But I know I've talked to several people in the race that when you get to a checkpoint with other competitors, in one sense, you are racing against each other. There's always that encouragement from the fans, from the sponsors who are giving you this stuff, but from other racers. We're here. We've made it this far. Let's go. Let's keep going. And the same thing with the believers. As we come and we consider, yes, we test ourselves to see if we're worthy. We, we consider our hearts and wonder, Lord, is there any wicked way in me? Search me. Know me. 
But as we come together in this worship, this isn't a worship that we can do in our homes with just our families. This is something that we gather here together to do together. As I consider my own heart, we consider one another's heart and how to stir you up to love and to good works. It's funny, as I was researching this word, stirring up, it often has a negative context. Prodding each other, getting each other poking. But it's a kindling of a fire to get you to do something. It's the the dry wood waiting for a spark. And oftentimes, that's what I need. When I'm going a a 9 to 5, I am tired and kids, but I need that faith and love of a elderly couple who's been through it for 30 years to encourage us. And we love it every Sunday when we get that. We look for it. As I'm thinking this Wednesday, we're going to gather in across, what, 20-some homes across the Hampton Roads. The communion before that meeting tonight, as we consider our own hearts, consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works. In the same way we're considered to draw near to God, he's encouraging us to draw near to one another. Draw near to another to hold to that confession together, of that hope together. This morning, Pastor Brent shared of a friend who, because of sin, fell out of ministry. My heart breaks because after 10 years of now of being a Christian and just being excited, thinking everyone who says they're a Christian are Christian, 10 years later you find they don't care. The, whether it's the thorns that choked them out, the, the scorching sun that dried up the non-existing roots. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we met with friends that we haven't seen since Northland. I was just so excited to hear that he was still on the faithful path. Whatever you're doing, do you love God? Brothers and sisters, that's what we encourage one another to do. I think of the song who aptly writes, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And they pray to bind my wandering heart to thee. This isn't an I work. It's us. It's we together. When we come together, consider this. As he continues on in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more, as you see, the day drawing near. The last couple of years of Northland, I got to know an elderly pastor. He retired. He was teaching there. Many years of faithful ministry, and I loved hearing all of his stories. And he would tell us in the pastoral class, if you want to be a pastor after this class, you're definitely called. Uh, he just had crazy stories. And I think, I think I'm recalling this is his story. Uh, I don't know if he read it, but I think it was his he tells of a story of an elderly woman asking the pastor to please try to get her husband to come to church. And he has tried for years and years, but one, one winter, uh, things came up, and so he, he felt the need to go over there to talk to him. After a little while of small talk, the, pastor, or the, the husband said, Pastor, I know why you're here. I'm not going. <laughs> and he just smiled. 
And as he sat there, the fire was going, and he just patiently took prongs, took out a coal, and set it on the rock ledge next to the fire. He didn't say a word, but both men watched as that coal, bright orange heat from the fire, slowly turned black. He didn't say a word until all the orange flame had gone out from the coal, until it was cool to the touch. He picked it up and placed it, threw it right back in the fire where they could see it, and it brightened back up again. And my husband said, okay, Pastor, I'll go. Brothers and sisters, we are brighter together. What I look forward to in the week is coming together and seeing you guys because I need this encouragement. I need to be stirred up in good works because life is hard. You know, I don't know if you know anybody from the area who was affected by the tragedy this last Friday. But I've seen through Facebook and community pages that people are rallying together, artists are coming together to find a hope, a meaning in this tragedy. And brothers and sisters, what we do is we come together to find a hope because that day is drawing near. And I love this sermon series through First Thessalonians. We're approaching the glorious appearing and coming of Jesus Christ. But until that day, we have checkpoints like this to consider our hearts. I encourage as we think about it tonight, draw near to God but draw near to one another. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, oh, the richness of this sermon that you penned of ten chapters. There's so much to weigh through to get to this point that we would love to cover, but Lord, there is eternity to spend with your riches and your word and with your believers. May we not neglect the time that we have to spend with your word and with one another. Thank you so much for moments like this that we can come and consider our own hearts, our own lives, to search our hearts, find the sin, but encourage one another in these times. And Lord, as we take this checkpoint, these means of sanctification to go out, to face another week, to face another month, to be in a hurting community, to be a light in a world that sees darkness. May we come back together again and always encourage one another. Lord, as I think about it this Wednesday, as we launch this community gathering, this neighboring together, may we consider now how to stir one another up in love. Find places where we can meet a need to be a friend, to be a brother and sister in Christ for the encouraging, to help each other fight for that day. Lord, we love you so much. Oh, Lord, come quickly. Amen.